Well, good day, folks. Uh, John and I are coming to you today. You know, it's been about a year since we've been under this lockdown, this crazy COVID um, weirdness that really hit us back in March when, you know, they said 14 days to flatten the curve. And here we are um, still <laughs> this far into it, trying to find the, you know, some ground. India is getting just completely ravaged right now with another wave um, that's coming on. But here in the States, uh, you know, the vaccine's beginning to roll out and there's, you know, normalcy uh, for whatever that word kind of means right now seems to be um, coming back again. And there does seem to be an uncertainty, you know, a little bit in all of our um, in all of our lives. You know, what do we return to, whether it be work, school, family, um, you know, but more importantly, especially a lot of what you and I talk about, John, you know, it's like, what does church look like? Um, you know, after COVID. Well, absolutely. And you think, uh, Brandon, about uh, the different groups of people that might be listening to this podcast uh, that are, you know, out there, us included, is there's probably some folks that uh, can resonate with, I can't wait to be back in, in the church sanctuary to, to, to sing without a mask on, to sing with a real music up front and to see people and to hug people. And, uh, and then there's maybe another group of people that actually has kind of been okay not meeting, you know, in the building, church building this year that kind of enjoys staying in their PJs and maybe feels like they really haven't missed it all that much, you know, being in person that and maybe uh, they've done online every week, maybe not. And then I think there's another group of church leaders and pastors that in a sense, this is their bread and butter, this is their vocation. And there's a lot of uncertainty about how will we continue? Who's coming back? Do we just do things the way we used to do? Which of course will be a temptation. So uh, I think that's kind of the context we're in right now and probably will be there for a little while. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, the, you know, today we're, we thought about, you know, using a parable um, to kind of help us, you know, wrestle with this, you know, kind of idea. And it actually started in quite a, quite an interesting way, John, is that, you know, when COVID really got, um, really got in full swing, the hospitals became overwhelmed um, with the amount of patients that, that were there. Um, and not only that, just the, the protocol that was necessary in order to keep everyone safe um, from this particular virus, the amount of, um, personal protective equipment that had to be go through the masks and the, the garments and the gowns and all these types of things. And, and we were going through them, you know, um, like no other, every time somebody needed to enter into a room, you know, to be with the patient, they'd have to strip of this and it was in the garbage and they'd have to put on new ones when they came in the next time. Well, I remember seeing a, a picture a photo online, um, of a, of a hospital that had was dealing with this issue and they had chosen um, somebody came up with the bright idea. A nurse came up with the bright idea to it's every, he would have to go in and check the monitors. And all he was doing was simply filling out their um, you know, the, the clipboard with the things and just updating. And then he'd be walking out. No, nothing serious. And it routine have to do it probably like every 15 to 20 minutes. But every time he walked into a new room, he had to change <laughs> clothes um, and, and a new pair of, you know, a uh, new pair of equipment. And it was just burning through money and time and so on. And so um, they came up with the idea to bring those monitors, extend the tubes on those monitors and the reach and get them out into the hallways um, where they could close the doors behind those those monitors. And now people could just walk up and down the hallway <clears throat> and take 
the vitals and understand write those down in the charts and now they weren't wasting any you know protective equipment and i remember just sharing this with you um about the innovation of our hospital people you know our hospital workers at this time and what they did in order to combat um this particular problem and it seemed to spark a lot in you john as you just kind of reflected on this thing and about the church right yeah it became kind of a uh, a metaphor and, and or a, you know a parable or a symbol and then that's, um, you know, this that's kind of the way my brain works. It's, a, you know, it's a weird brain, but I immediately thought about, uh, you know, the, the, the church as the hospital in, and, and, and part of that comes from my own, um, my own reflections, you know, along with a lot of folks that have thought about the, the, the history of the church a little bit. And, and the fact that, um, that there is, there was a movement in the scripture of moving, just like in the hospital, of moving things, you know, out of everything taking place in a room into the hallways where there was activity and people walking and running, you know, and there's, and so, um, so where my mind went to, Brandon, is back in the Old Testament, in some ways, there was a room, right, there was a first a tent, then a temple, but the room was where, quote, everything happened that was you know divinely inspired the offerings the presence of god there was something uh limiting about the uh, their ability to experience uh, uh god outside of the room outside of the temple and so but when jesus came in many ways he lengthened the tubes <laughs> in other words he he didn't spend he certainly had a place in the synagogue he did teach in the temple but he spent the majority of his time out in the hallways of, of, of life for the, of the, uh, the Jewish people. And, and basically the, the location where he was became the room, if you wanna use that analogy, that that's, and so the, the, the roads that he walked on, the mountain hillsides that he taught from. And, but, and then the early church with the advantage of the Holy Spirit now living in them and not just Jesus. Now, all of a sudden there's no need to, to associate the, the, the presence of God with just one place, with just one priest, right? Where everybody has to watch and, and be dependent on their intermediary you know, activity. So the early church grew and blossomed under the context you know, of not having a big building. They met in small homes and were able to, you know, again, that's where life was already taking place for them. Meals were shared, people practiced hospitality, then out in the workplace. Um, and so, but then what happened is that in some ways, everything got shoved back into the room and out of the hallways in the fourth century um, under the leadership of the emperor Constantine who declared Christianity to be the official religion of the Roman empire. And when it became government sanctioned, Brandon, what happened was is that the, the mode of doing church took on a particular Roman personality. And so the buildings that housed the, you know, the church from that point on, the basilicas, they were all modeled. Uh, they took some liberties to do higher, lower, wider, that kind of thing. But essentially, the way that, that the buildings were structured, the role that they played in the weekly worship, the priests that were hired, you know, to administer the worship, all in some ways, it all reverted back to the room, to the temple, the way that things had happened in the temple. And so that was a big setback, you know, for uh, the church. 
Yeah, yeah. And it seems that we've continued to perpetuate this idea. That was back in 300 AD, and we're now sitting at two, you know, 2021 here. And we have very much, uh, well, not thankfully, not the same. You know, we do have ornate buildings or whatnot, uh, but there's still the same idea of temple worship. And so, John, what are the implications for us today um, as it relates to, to temple worship? Um, yeah, well, I think, yeah. So this would be fun to explore together for just a couple minutes. But it, for me, one of the, the, the reality put on the lenses for example of temple worship and then begin to see yeah you know what we still associate um the idea of once a week in a particular place that is somehow more holy uh more god's presence is more there we associate and uh, maybe even by um segregate the sec the parts of our life into that's my spiritual side and then the rest of my life is not a place where god is just as present now we may we may theologically believe the spirit lives in me now the spirit is everywhere but the mode of the way we do church i think can reinforce willingly or not on the behalf of the pastors and the leaders that this is where the action is it's in the room and uh and so the reality, this would be, you know, why, one of the questions I have is, is why have we continued to do it this way for these 16 centuries? What has kept us, you know, from making a change? Have you, you know, what, what, what runs through your mind, Brandon, when you think about that question? You know, there's from everything from the congregation itself, I think even to, to leadership. I mean, I think temple worship to some degree has benefits in its ability to, you know, to teach a wider audience. Um, but at some points that falls off and now we try to maintain the control or the power of being over that audience. Um, it allows a congregant to release some of their own spiritual growth to the person behind uh, the pulpit. You're now responsible yeah. for my spiritual growth rather than me. Um, you're the professional. Yeah. yeah. Um, you're the one God chose, uh, you know, not me. I just come here to hear God speak through you. Um, you know, and so again, I think theologically we hold the idea of that we're all priests, but we've made, uh, you know, to some degree, we've made the one <clears throat> that is in ministry, um, the one who, who is somehow. Well, that you're making a great connection, Brandon, between the, the way we see our building is the way we design our leadership. <laughs> and that affects the way people see themselves as participants or are they just spectators, right? So this I, so that's part of um, when I think about our consumer world, I would just add one thing to the good things you mentioned here is just that the consumer world has taught me that I go somewhere, whether now it's online or whether it's Costco or a, I go somewhere to get something. And so I think that's what pastors are fighting as well is that when things are located in a, biz, in a building, people bring their consumer mindset. And so then it just helps perpetuate that. So I, so the question I think we can end on for a few minutes here is, okay, so what would it look like if we extended the tubes, so to speak? If we, if we, we don't dismiss the place of having a place to, to meet, but what if we extended the tubes? How might that help us in uh, getting after the purpose that we talk about often in Kingdom Story of making disciples, of being people who grow to become more like Jesus and to help others do that. So what might they, you know, Brandon, you're involved in kind of rethinking the discipleship structure in your church. It has a building. Say a little bit about maybe the implications of this parable, you know, for, for the work that your church is wanting to do. Um, yeah. I mean, I think the, the, 
there's a lot of uh, there's a perfect storm that's kind of come together that's really allowed us to to take this question on um, more seriously. So I do admit to some degree that we have it a little easier than than some others. But mm-hmm. and uh, there's a there's a quote that I might butcher a little bit, you know, from Andrew Murray that just says, "The clearer the object of our pursuit, the more we are willing to adopt whatever means um, mm-hmm. we will need in order to achieve that." Right. And so, I mean, the goal for us, we've been really laying a foundation and a framework um, at at our church to to what's the goal? What are we doing? We are advancing the kingdom of God first in ourselves, our community, our families, communities around the world. Okay, well, how do we do that? Um, and we're becoming very aware that if that's something we want to do, Sunday limits us. A, a 35-minute sermon on Sunday really limits our ability to see that mission um, unfold. And so we're, we don't put emphasis on the building. We're putting emphasis on how do we achieve um, first advancing the kingdom in ourselves as we're looking around at our congregation and seeing where are they struggling in that area first. Um, you know, and so I could get deep within that, but the the building isn't limiting us in the sense because the goal is what is our focus. And so I think, you know, as we move forward in this, not only for our church, but also many others, is that the clearer your goal becomes, then you will find the right tool that'll achieve that. Um, if the if the goal is to maintain the building, you know, we're doing a bang up job at that. We are killing it. Um, but if the goal is to make disciples, if the goal is to make people like Jesus, we've got to revisit our tools and see, um, see how they're helping us. And, you know, Brandon, you were sharing with me a story that illustrates what you're talking about is how, so your church is on a piece of property, you know, um, again, your church building, forgive right. me, <laughs> your church building is on a piece of property with an open lot next to it. And you're two blocks away from a middle school. And so you, you know, and so you all did something, you know, in other words, you extended your tubes outside of your building into that parking lot and did something kind of special in the last few weeks. Why don't you just give it because it gives us a picture of how to think outside the room. Yeah, we uh, we had originally uh, earlier in the summer tried to do a movie night uh, with the community, and it actually uh, it went well. Uh, but the, the if for any of you those in Washington last year realizing the fires that hit us at the time, we had to cancel, and then weather went south. Uh, but because of that, we were able to get connected with the uh, the local elementary school, and they wanted to partner with us in order to put on um, another movie night. And so uh, a month ago, we put on we have a large field right out beside our church. That's literally there's no fences around it. Anybody can get there if you're just walking by. It's an open field, and we popped up a screen and a projector um, and put out to anybody wide to the community you know here we got a, a children's movie if you want to bring your family and come and mm. um, and just have some fellowship and fun and food and whatnot we've got it covered it's for free come and join us um, and we were expecting about 100 people um, and our pastor does not like to not have enough food so he bought 160 hot dogs just to make sure he could cover the 100 people that were going to be there um, and 225 people showed up, um, <laughs> which caused him to have to run back to the store, um, which actually he was elated at that, um, knowing that the numbers just, you know, exploded in such a way. But it, yeah, it was a way of us getting outside. There's no way many of those would have come inside oh. the building. Well, you couldn't uh, have fit them in there either. Right. Absolutely. Our building's not big enough for something like that. But um, but yeah, had we I thought. Love, it, I, love, I love the uh, the follow up you know, that the hearing that, you know, after John 
um, you know, uh, after the event was over, John just being in the community, ran into somebody driving by the church or ran into somebody at the store who said, hey, I was at that event, you know, and just, in other words, not only the parking lot, but getting out of the room in the community, now he had a connecting point. And so his, quote, church life is now, yes, in the building still on Sunday, but that has released him to the parking lot, to the movie night, to connecting with people in the community. Yes. Yes, absolutely. I mean, even another story of a, uh, cause John um, is a part-time or uh, works a full-time job as well. And he, he offices out of the church. So he's available, you know, for stop bys and a mother stopped by um, and asked if her uh, teenage child could use our building to do the Bible study that he had been teaching all summer because it was getting too large and the mm. parents didn't want him doing it in homes because of COVID and they needed more social distancing. And so this mother saw us there and comes in and says, Hey, can my, my son use your building? And so he uses our building on Tuesday nights to lead a Bible study that none of us are facilitating, but you know, but we don't, we don't we're building relationships. But other than that, yeah. This young man's belief, you know, love for Jesus that's brought him to do what he's doing. You know, uh, your story reminds me of um, uh, our friend Matt Brolight, his book, Out of the Fourth Place, when he talks about thinking through the way that we do church, like both in the room and in the hallways, that we can do our thing in our place. Like that's Sunday morning having church. But then there's doing, you know, there. Um, uh, their thing in our place so the church the school wanted you to do a movie it was their thing but you did it in your place and uh and then and then the kids same thing with the bible study they wanted to do their thing in your place and so this and then finding ways to do you know like to do your thing so maybe next time you want to have a church barbecue but you have it in the park down the street instead of your fellowship hall now you're doing your thing in their place and so it begins to mix up the room and the hallway in this kind of fluid, organic sense. And I think that's our hope as we, we move, quote unquote, back to normal, is that we would actually take a, a, a look at, you know, I think of, of Churchill, Winston Churchill's famous quote, that we don't waste a good crisis, that somehow that, that this last year would, would rattle ourselves one step further into seeing how much of, you know, uh, Jesus lived his discipleship, um, uh, witnessing salt and light life in the hallways uh, alongside the buildings. And so uh, that's, again, that's, that's our hope as we, we move here is that this will have inspired us to think outside of the room. Yeah. Well, and I hope people hear us, you know, hear us rightly in this, that there is a place for the building and, and it fits within, you know, our, the goal that we want to achieve in this and to be ready to, we have a value in our church that says no sacred cows. Um, and we're very aware and coming to a point that if the building becomes a sacred cow, then we got to do something about that. Um, yep. And so I, you know, I offer that to all and just saying that, you know, we're not saying ditch the building, but find no, out. Can you imagine Brandon, if, if all the patients were in the hallways and didn't have their own rooms, right. <laughs> it'd be chaos. So we're absolutely, you're right. We're advocating for a relationship between the two that aligns ourselves with becoming more and more like Jesus. And so that's maybe a good way to end Brandon is, that we're grateful for this time. We hope you've been encouraged and, and we don't have all the answers, Brandon, but we're just two disciples trying to find our place in God's story.